All right, and good morning to you. Wow, what a great worship set. What wonderful word. I want to challenge you. I know especially, actually it's an, opportu- I, it's an opportunity. There were a couple of songs that were semi-new to me today, which gave me the opportunity to reflect on the words and what powerful words they were. And this last song is a modern takeoff as well of my soul. And, and it just moves me. And I love the last line, it is well with me. And our prayer today, my prayer as your pastor and your friend, is that truly, you know, that it is well with your soul today. Because it kind of sets up the message. Because when it's well with your soul, then what we want to talk about today begins to make perfect sense. I promised you a little better song. Last week we remember we had Old Lang Syne, and that was kind of like melancholy. But it was, it was New Year's Eve, uh, so it was a perfect time for that. But this is a great song by, by Jamie Grace. You know, it's a beautiful day. And when it's well with your soul... It can be a beautiful day. When it's well with your soul, it can be a beautiful day. Well, here we are in week number two of our new series, and we're jumping off the idea of 2024 and the number 24, redeeming the time. And we're taking that number 24 from 2024 and plugging it into the fact that we have 24 hours every day, and then God is challenging us to redeem that time, to make the best of that time, because frankly, We do not know how much time we've got. Uh, You're going to hear in just a moment a quote from someone that indicates and tells us that what we do have is today. Now, our kickoff verse, it happens to be our our series verse is the sermon verse today. And it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. uh, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So that's where we want to jump off to. The sermon title is Carpe Diem. Now, this is my one joke. Do not miss it. Are you ready? Our sermon title today is Carpe Diem, not to be confused with Carpal Tunnel. All right. Some of y'all got Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. One's hand surgery. Get it? Carpe, yeah. Yeah. Carpe Diem. It's a, it's a Latin term. All right. Go ahead and put our surgery. There we go. It's, it's, a, it's a Latin term, and it literally means to seize the day. I like what Nan Franks, uh, oh, excuse me, Nan Parkinson said. You know, she said, you know, yes, you know, Carpe, carpe Diem, but first coffee. Some of us know we cannot seize anything until we have our coffee in the morning. I've got a sign somewhere in the office that said, you know, you know carpe diem, you know, you know, seize the day, you know, but Jesus first. And that's also very, very appropriate. So today we're going to talk about seizing today. Now, let, let me pause. Um, this is one of those messages I know. It's practical. I know it will help us. I know that. I know that. Um, I'm a very much believer in the applicability of God's word and this, these five scriptures, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, you know, 15 through 20, are just packed with truth. So I want to encourage you, I have to be honest with you, I am not a note taker, but just in case you are, you might want to get your notebook out and get ready to write some things down. Secondly, um, if you are a note taker but you don't have a pad of paper, don't forget we haven't talked about it in a long time. In our Uversion app, uh, that there under more, you can go to events, and there you'll find Dorsville Baptist Church, and you'll be able to find all the, all the uh, scriptures and all the quotes and slides from today's message. And if you'll hit save on there, that will be there forever. And this is something I think you want to save. Not because it's me, because it's God's Word. And the third thing is this. Give Trey about a day, and this will be available. If you go to Dorisville and look under Dorisville Ministries, you'll find this sermon on YouTube, um, and then you can watch it again. And I encourage you to do that. Again, not because of the speaker, 
But these are just plain, old, simple, sound truth. Okay? So I hope you'll do that because, again, I know my propensity is not to remember. Um, and I say we need help sometimes doing that. So we're going to carpe diem. We're going to seize the day. But here's the deal. We're going to learn today how to value the gift. You see, every day, every day is a gift from God. Now, as uh, Trey said, yesterday was my 70th birthday. And um, let me tell you what that means. That means uh, 25,000, including today, 25,568 times I woke up. You know, 25,568 times God gave me a new day. Now, for some of you, that number's a lot lower. For some of you, that number's a lot higher. <laughs> okay? All right? But what I want you to understand, whether you would call it good or bad, we've all had, quote, good days. We've had, quote, bad days. We've had neutral days. But however you call that, if you are a God follower, if you're a Jesus follower, then you need to understand that really every day is a gift from God. So we need to seize that opportunity. We need to seize that day. Don't often quote Mother Teresa, but today is the day. Mother Teresa said, yesterday is gone. And it is. And in some ways, that's good. You know, if yesterday was not a good day, if yesterday was filled with suffering and hurt and pain and discouragement, you're kind of glad, glad that day is over. But, you know, like, you know, yesterday was my birthday. I had a great birthday, you know. But, and, you know, and I'm kind of, I went to bed last night. I said, Judy, I have to go to bed. It was such a good day. It really, really was. But regardless, yesterday is gone. Now, we can learn from it, and we do. We talked about that last week, learning from it. But the bottom line is, she's right, yesterday is gone. And then she says, tomorrow is yet to come. And that's true also. We do not know. First off, we don't know if we'll have a tomorrow. We have no clue whatsoever. But they say, the experts say, that about 80% of the things you're, you're worrying about today, about tomorrow, will never come to pass. Never come to pass. And that's why Jesus talked about that a lot. Man, let tomorrow be tomorrow, okay? But she's right. It's not come. Then she says this, we have only today. And isn't that true? We have today. I can't promise you tomorrow. You can't do anything about yesterday. But you've got right now, you've got today. We only have today. And I love what she says, let us begin. Let us begin. So I want to take the next few minutes we've got, and, and we're going to look through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 20, and look at how we can seize the day. How we can seize the day. All right? Now, it starts out with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, and the first part okay, is, so be careful then how you live. That's simple. Be careful how you live. Um, There's some dangerous things that can happen out there in our lives. There's some decisions that we can make, can make life messy, can make life sloppy, but also can be very, very dangerous. So Paul's encouraging us to be careful then how we live. Our teaching point brings it really into perspective. You know, choose your steps and your companions wisely. So as, you're, as you go through today, okay, and the next days, as many gods God gives you, then you want to choose your steps and companions wisely. The steps sometimes are a bigger deal than they are in others. You know, for instance, you know, if you're in a cow pasture, you kind of want to choose your steps wisely. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah, yeah. But here's, but here's the good news. You know, in a cow pasture, if you step poorly, things could get messy, but they probably won't kill you. All right? So, 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 
in life in general, when you're just doing life, we're just walking down through life, choose your steps carefully like you're in a cow pasture. Because, you know, if you step in something, it can linger for a little while, but not forever. All right? But then also, take that same scenario. Now you're not in a cow pasture and watching out for piles. Okay? You're on a edge of a cliff. And one wrong step, getting too close to the edge, your ankle rolls, and you go down. And then it's not messy, it's deadly. Be careful how you choose your steps. There are decisions we can make, okay, that can be deadly to us. Uh, you know, young, young folks, students, you know, you need to know this, man. There are some steps you can make as you do life that are going to scar you for life. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. Be very careful of that. And then, and then all of us know, unfortunately, too many of us know that scars, uh, bad steps on the edge of a cliff, that that's hurt our relationships, our marriages, um, cost us our careers, cost us our testimony, cost us our character. And sometimes they can kill us. Some bad decisions. Not picking on anybody. But my family, you know, three of my brothers died early because of lung cancer. You know, my mom and dad both died at age 62. One from heart and one from lung cancer. You know, all were smokers. It's just a decision. I know, you know, the weight thing, get that, understand that, I do. But there are decisions that we can make that are wise. Be careful of decisions you make. But also, be careful of your companions. Be careful of the folks that you choose to allow them into your life. Now, we're not supposed to be isolationists, and we're not to, you know, be, Lord knows there's enough holier than now, people. We don't want to be that either. But we do need to be careful of the folks we allow into our lives. There's an old story um, of a guy that was going up a mountain, and, and a, a, ra a rattlesnake, you know, talked to him. Now, that sounds weird, but remember Genesis 3, right? And so, so yeah, this rattlesnake says, hey, I'm really cold. Put me inside your coat, all right, and carry me over the mountain, and I'll make you a promise I won't bite you. And the guy said, I'm not going to buy that. He goes, no, really, please, save my life. And so the dude picks up the rattlesnake, puts it in his coat, and carries the rattlesnake over the mountain down to the warmer climate, and then he puts the snake down and immediately bites him. And the guy said, what is up? You promised not to bite me. And you know what the, guy, the snake said? You knew what I was when you picked me up. You knew I was. So you know, you know there are some, some, some people in your life that you just don't need to have. You, listen, 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 listen. Hey, students, listen to me. There might be some relationships going on in your life right now that you know they're toxic. You know they're toxic. And you need to get out of those relationships. And, and adults, we certainly know this. You know, when you, have, when you have a relationship, a companion with someone, and it's toxic for you, and you know it's toxic, it's not being mean to get out of that relationship. It's being wise. It's being wise. Now, look at this awesome verse. Proverbs 13, 20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become what? Yeah. Hello. Okay. But a, Now, remember, this is the Word of God. This isn't Dwayne, this isn't Reader's Digest, okay? Uh, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So, so, you know, be careful then how you walk. Choose your steps carefully. Choose your companions carefully as you go. Then Paul continues in the, church to Ephesus, uh, the letter to Ephesus, and the second part of verse 15 says this, Don't live like fools. Don't live like fools. So, so we're, going to, we're going to be careful in how we live, okay? And we're not going to live like fools. How's a fool live? How's a fool live? Okay, that's a really good question, all right? So, so we find the answer to that in Psalm 14.1. This happens to be one of my favorite verses, 
Okay? Because, again, the truth is so powerful. All right? All right, here we go. The fool says in his heart, probably because he's wise enough at least not to say it publicly, but the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, I know you. what I'm fixing to say is exactly what you expect me to say because I'm the, I'm the preacher. I'm the pastor. You expect me to say this. But the bottom line is, you know, it's difficult for me to believe that somebody doesn't believe in God because I look around the world and I see all these things and I just can't imagine any way of all this coming apart. I mean, you got a card good in sake today and somebody was wise enough to, to develop that car and make it work and we have lights, we have electricity, we have sound systems, um, all these things. You know, we, some of us will get on an airplane here, very Nan will fix and get on an airplane here in just a day or two and going to fly all the way to Africa. And, and yet, people believe somehow that just happened from a glob of protein uh, on a shore. And I just, I don't have that much faith. I just have to believe that there is a creator God. Okay, I just believe that there has to be a creator God. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is. So the, but the fool says there is no God. Now, what's interesting is, if you've got a printed Bible, um, most translations will put the words, there is in italics. Now, if, you're, if you remember, I've talked about this before, and when you see words in your printed translation that are in italics, what that means is, in the original language, those words were not there. Those words were not there. The translators added that for ease of translation, for ease of speaking. So, really, Psalm 14, 1 would say, the fool says in his heart, no God. No God. And there's really two takes on this. When you do that, this all of a sudden becomes a little bit bigger than simply not believing God. But the first one is this. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing not to believe in God. I challenge you to do something. If you're here today, and I know a lot of the younger folks sometimes wrestle now, well, is God outdated and God this? Hey, examine your world. Check your world out. And if it makes sense to you to believe there's no God, go for it. Go for it. But I ask you to be honest. Really take a look. Take a look at Jeremy's brand new grandbaby and Christy's new grandbaby. Look in that beautiful little face and tell me there's no God. Think about the Saturn V rocket that lifted off in 1969 and took those men to the moon. How in the world did we develop the most complex machine uh, ever, you know, and tell me there's no God? Tell me that we were once a, 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 a clop of plasma on the beach and all of a sudden here, here we are where we are today. I, like I said, I don't have that much faith. It's a crazy thing not to believe in God. It's a crazy thing to say, no God, no God. But you know what? It's also another there. It's the bigger translation could be this. The fool says in the heart, no God. And, and it's crazy because there are Christ followers. There are God believers who have gotten in the nasty habit of saying, no God, Trust me, it's a crazy thing. If you're a God follower, God believer, Christ follower today, it's a crazy thing for you to look at the creator God of the universe who loved you so much, he sent his son to a Roman cross who through power resurrected him on the third day and lives to make a difference in your life. It's a crazy thing for you as a Jesus follower, God follower person to say, don't think so, God. Not today. I've got it figured out. I'm a little bit smarter than you are today. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's foolish. I, 
you expect me to say this, it's foolish for a person to totally deny the existence of God. But may I be honest and say this? It's pretty foolish for a God follower to tell God no. To tell God no. So write that down. File that away. Think about that as you progress. Here we are on day number seven of this new year. As you progress through this year, remember that. Write that down. How does that, how does that impact our lives? You know, and here's, here's, you know, here's what the lifestyle I'm going to make this word up just for y'all. The, the no-godders, I thought you might like that. The no-godders lifestyle looks like this. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, and there's none who does good. So if you say, I don't believe in God, well, that's your lifestyle because you say there's no God, there's no rules, you know, there's no, not a better way to live, okay? Yeah, that's, your life's going to end up like that. And uh, listen to me, listen to me. If you are a God follower and you're in the habit, in the nasty habit of telling God no, then guess what? You're going to have some corruption. You're just going to have abominable deeds. And you'll find out there's no good in that whatsoever. It's, it's really, it, it's pretty, pretty amazing, okay? Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, the, the third part, it says this. But, the, but, like, but live like those who are wise. So don't be foolish. Be careful of your life. Don't be foolish, but rather live like those who are wise. So you ask the fair question, who's wise? What does a wise person look like? Okay, well, I love this. And we find the answer in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10. Okay, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Now, now, first off, and you, you probably know this, but just in case, okay, if you're taking notes, you're going to circle that word fear, okay? Now, the word fear there is not the, oh, no, I sinned. God's going to zap me. Oh, no, he's got a lightning bolt. He's going to zap me that way. Oh, no, he's going to punish me and cause catastrophe in my life, okay? That is not the fear he's talking about. The word fear there is the word reverence, reverence, to worship, to worship, okay? So, so we have it now, so we have reverence, reverence or worship of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Now, I love, now again, I picked the translations and all the scriptures, but, but there is one, I really like the one we used on the slide, you know, and, and later on in, in the scripture, but it says, you know, it says that, um, that, the, that wisdom is the beginning, the beginning, um, of wisdom. That fear of the Lord, I'm sorry, is the beginning of wisdom. I like that. I like that. But, but, you know, we have a friend here in our church named Dewey, and they recently worked together as a family and some other friends, and they built this beautiful house out on the lake um, for, for their son, for Dewey's son, okay? And I looked at Dewey this morning. I said, Dewey, what did you do first? Well, first there's some dirt work, but after you do the dirt work, okay, you lay the foundation. Yeah, you don't go out there and build walls. You don't start with a roof. You don't start with some two-by-fours. You start with a foundation, and that's where this makes all the sense. Fear of the Lord is the foundation. It's the beginning of wisdom, okay? So then who is a wise person? It's a person who has reverence for the Lord. Now, if you're not a God follower, Jesus follower, I know that makes no sense. This is like step two for you. Okay, but for those of us who have made a commitment to Christ, this should make all the sense in the world. Okay, we should, all right, have our foundation as Jesus Christ, and we have that foundation that is wisdom. 
So if we're going to live like a wise person, we're going to reverence God. We're going to worship God. We're going to put God first in everything that we do. Does that make sense? Now I'm telling y'all, listen, listen, we got to quit dabbling in church. We got to quit dabbling in church. We got to quit dabbling in religion. And we've got to get serious. And man, what a great place to start. You know, the foundation being we're going to be wise people, and wise people worship the Lord. They, they show reverence for the Lord. And we need to do that. And we need to do that. Okay? Now, in verse number 16, and this is our key verse, you know, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Okay, so, so when we wake up and we realize, one, you're breathing. Let's hear yay for that one. Okay, it's a new day for us. That means that God is giving you this new gift, and we need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with that gift? What are we going to do with that gift that God has given us? Now, again, you already heard I've got 25,000 and some number. Okay, but look at our teaching point. It really, it really brings home something clear. 1,440 minutes. You've already figured it out, I'm sure. 1,440 minutes. Hey, students, 1,440 minutes. You know what that is? It's, num- it's the number of minutes every day. Okay? Now, that means at midnight, it's, the clock starts ticking. And if God gives you all day, if God gives you all day, then you get 1,440 minutes. Now, watch this. You probably, see, you guys, I know you read ahead on me, okay? The richest man in town. The richest man in town. If he gets the maximum amount, how many minutes does he get? No, wait. You mean he can't go to Walmart and buy some more? He can't, he can't cash in some of his stock portfolio, portfolio and get a few more? No. The richest guy in town, if he gets everything, gets 1,440 minutes. Why the poor guy? Yeah, guess what? He gets 1,440 minutes if he gets the whole gig. So, so the richest man, the poor man, may have less, but neither can have more. Neither can have more. The most you can have today, and you've already used a chunk of them, okay, is 1,440 minutes. And here it is. Sometimes the Bible does this as a literary tool. You know, decisively decide. Decisive. Hey, students, decisively decide how you will spend them. How, have you ever thought about waking up in the morning and saying, hey, God, uh, what do you think about today? What should I do today? How should I live this day? What should I do with these minutes that you've given me? And then you decisively decide how you spend it, and then you do what? You go and do. That's why Mother Teresa's quote, let us begin. So you wake up in the morning, and I hope you have a quiet time. I hope you do. I really do. Um, quiet time is simply you spend a few minutes with God in his word, and you spend a few minutes time talking to God and let God talk to you. That's all it is, okay? Well, we may do a sermon on that, so I'm not going to say any more um, on that, okay? But I hope you have that time. So how cool would it be to wake up in the morning and say, hey, God, it's Dwayne. Thanks for the night's rest. And hey, listen, you know, you, you know read your word and then say, God, I want, you, I want you to bless this day. I don't know if you're going to be all of it or part of it, but I pray you will bless this day. What do you want me to do for these 1,440 minutes? How cool would that be? It's a big, it's a big selling point. You know, we were, we were listening to some devotion material and, you know, there's some people that say, I'm a night person. I have my quiet time at night. I understand that. I'm not. I'm, I'm pretty much a morning person, you know. But let me make this suggestion. Would you rather do your quiet time at night and ask God to bless the mess that you made during the day? Or would you rather do it in the morning and ask God to bless the mess? 
Which one are you going to do? It just makes sense to do it in the morning, okay? So ask God to decisively decide what you're going to do um, with these minutes. Listen to Martin Luther. Uh, it's, it's a great quote. I have so many things to do today, he said. I dare not ignore my time with God. The best thing you can do, and probably, um, you know, Brent, we discovered, Judy found this reading plan uh, by, write this name down, Tara Lee Cobble. It's in the YouVersion app. It's called Bible Recap, and she goes with you through the Bible. It includes reading about 12 minutes worth of Scripture, and then she talks for about 10 or 12 minutes. And she's, she's honest. She's the most folksy person. She doesn't have a seminary degree. She loves the Word of God. She is a teacher that goes around in women groups and teaches. But she's just you know an ordinary person, but she brings such good insights. And, and Brent's been doing this for three years. Had no idea. I mentioned her and said, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for three years with her. It's amazing. So Tara Lee Cobble, check it out. It might be worthwhile. But she's one of the big ones that says about the quiet time, how important it is. I'm telling you, God can multiply that time. If you'll give him some time in the mornings, and I'm going to go ahead and say in the mornings, then guess what he can do? He can more make that time up. More and make that time up. All right? I dare not ignore my time with God. I've got so much to do. Verse 17. Verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the second part, you know, says, says again, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the will, well, what the Lord, see this old King James kicks in, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So you wake up in the morning and you ask God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today? What is it that's on your mind? Now, fortunately, we have a great scripture that we use a lot, okay? And that's Romans chapter 12 um, in verse number 2, okay? Look what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist who's a Jesus follower to understand you really don't want to copy the behavior of this world. There was a time in the 50s and maybe, maybe early 60s when, by and large, the country had Judeo-Christian values, and it kind of lined up, you know? It kind of lined up. That doesn't happen anymore. The world has gone off the scale crazy, so this is more appropriate than ever. Don't copy your behavior. You know, don't listen, students, don't copy your behavior after a lot of your friends at school because they're probably doing things, if not Jesus followers, they're probably doing something um, that is against the Word of God. All right? So, so don't copy the behavior, and, and don't copy the customs. One of the things I remember from college, which isn't a whole lot. Um, but anyway, I remember the social mores. I was in a psych class, okay? And that's the, that's the customs and the, and the habits that society says is okay. And we have seen those change so dramatically, so dramatically. So, so Paul says, listen, don't copy the behavior and, and, and the social mores of this world. Rather, let God transform you into a new person. Uh, yeah, I was listening to Levi Lesko yesterday in, a, in another devotion. He said, hey, Think caterpillar butterfly. When it says, you know, let God transform you, think caterpillar butterfly. A dramatic change in your life. Let God transform you into a new person. Now, this is not 2 Corinthians 5.17. Remember that verse? You know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, but all things are become new. Okay, that's a one-time deal that happens when you're saved. What Paul is talking about here is a daily thing. It's a daily thing. Let God transform you. And oh, 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 and what's he doing? Making you like Jesus. He's just chipping off stuff that don't belong there. That's all he's doing. There's a blog coming up this week about that if you're a Grits reader. 
Okay? Yeah, yeah. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay, okay, okay. How, now, this is so important. How does God change the way we think? Well, he may use a teacher, okay? And he may, you know, through the Holy Spirit, impress upon your heart. But probably he'll use his word. And if you're not having a quiet time, the only Bible you're getting is from me or one of our other Bible teachers, you're not getting enough. You're going to be anemic. Okay, so you really need to get into the word of God. So so let the person let God change you uh, the way you think. Then then you will learn to know God's will. Did you know that? Did you see that? Did you know that there's a school that God has called, you know, the school of knowing God's will? It's a learned thing. Sometimes I know, I know sometimes it's like, oh, and, and God like speaks to your heart. and You know what God's will is. Break up with him. Invest there. Do this. Do that. Uh, I get that. But again, chances are it's going to be his word, okay? But you will learn. You've got to get enrolled in the school of knowing God's will. And you're going to find that in the word of God. You're going to find that with the godly habits and disciplines that he brings into your life. Then you will learn to know God's will. This is important for you. If you're, if you're taking notes, you've got your Bible, circle for you. I'll tell you why it's important. Another scripture we love. It's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. Um, Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race, the race that is set before us. Okay? So, so God has a will for you. And the will God has for you may not be the will for Dave. Okay? And the, and the will that God has for Dave may not be one for Denzel. Okay, so he has a will for you. Okay, all right. So now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Nothing's more frustrating than trying to run the race of somebody else. Nothing's more frustrating. Nothing's more important than look at Dwayne. Well, I see what Dwayne God's in Dwayne's life. That must be will for my life. No, God's got a will for you, and you find out what that will is, and you run that race. Nothing's more frustrating to ride, try to ride somebody else's race. There's a verse, I shouldn't even bring this up. There's a verse in James. I think it says something like this. Maybe James 4, 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So there may be something in my life that may be wrong, right for okay for me, but God says, no, for you it's not. Okay, now I'm not talking about some blatant sin. There's just some great things that God may say, you shouldn't do it, and it's okay for me. Like eating meat. Yeah, that was a big deal in Paul's time. Okay? So remember that. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to run somebody else's race. Now get this. Watch this. There's nothing more pleasurable than running your race. To do life. To do life knowing you're smack dab in the middle of God's will. That is so good. It is, in fact, good pleasing, and perfect. How powerful, how powerful is that truth? Then we get verse number 18. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing pretty good. 18a, don't be drunk with wine. Now again, you're all reading ahead, okay? But Paul said, wait, 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 don't get drunk with wine, okay? Because that will ruin your life, and it will. Now, I didn't talk about, excuse me, I know we're Baptists, but it doesn't say drinking wine. It said, don't get drunk with wine. Okay, it'll ruin your life. But what I want you to see is there are other things that can intoxify us, okay, and mess us up, like lust. 
Don't get drunk on lust. Don't get drunk with power. Don't get drunk with wealth, the love of wealth. Don't get drunk on pleasure. In fact, don't get drunk on any other substitute for God. Now, that's really, are you writing this down? That's so important because I'm going to ask you this question. What intoxifies you? What intoxifies you? Are you hooked on something? Hey, students, is there something that you're intoxicated on? Is it, is it Facebook? Is it, you know, Instagram? I don't, I'm 70. I don't know this stuff. Yeah, so that's a good way. Social media. Thank you, dude. Okay? Or is it something else even? Okay? So, so what intoxifies you? And when Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, that's what he's saying. Okay, don't let anything, ooh, 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 don't let anything but the Holy Spirit intoxify you. Let your, let your high be Jesus. Let your high be Jesus. It's so, so, so important, all right? Don't be drunk with wine. Now, watch this. Watch our teaching point. The moment, the moment something is more important in your life than God. The moment something is more important in your life than God, you have become an idol worshiper. As soon as someone else besides the Holy Spirit, and you understand how I mean this, you know, the moment something besides the Holy Spirit becomes your intoxicant, is that even a word? Hey, we make them up at Dorisville, no problem. Okay, as soon as something else intoxifies you, <laughs> it's getting bigger, okay? Yeah, then you become an idol worshiper. What, is, what do you worship in your life besides God? What do you worship in your life? It could be kids, wife, marriage, power, Career, titles, okay? You begin, I worship. God, do, I like this. God doesn't just want to be one of your God, on your God list. He wants you to burn the list. God doesn't want you to have a God list and him be number five. God doesn't want you to have a God list and him be number one. God says, God list? There is no other God. There is no other God. God wants to be your one and only. Your one and your only on your God list. Finally, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. This is so easy. You know, being filled with the Spirit is simply being controlled. It's, it's yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. It's yielding yourself um, to the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we have a great quote here um, from Andrew Murray. He was a great uh, guy. He's the guy who ran the, the orphanage and would pray and ask God to supply bread because he didn't have any. And miraculously, at 4 o'clock in the morning, the bread would show up. Story after story after story. But listen to this. Go ahead and throw that quote up there, please. That teaching point. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit is an act of surrender. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. It's not mystical or magical. Okay? It's surrender. It's you waking up in the morning saying, Hi, God. It's Joe. Listen, I really want to do what you want me to do today. I want to do it, you know, this week. Okay, God, would you show me what to do? It's surrender, okay? You know, being filled with the, the Spirit is an act of surrender. Andrew Murray said, being filled with the Spirit is simply this, having my whole nature yield to Him. There you go. So simple. Now, imagine the, are, are you, I hope you're at least imagining with me the impact of these six or seven things in your life. They can totally change 2024 and how you go forward from this point. It'll help you make better decisions. It'll help you live a better life, to live a better life. You know, within the parameters of God's word, there's such wisdom and power to live the life that he wants you 
um, to live. Well, we end with this quote. I showed this to uh, Trey, and man, we both like it a lot. I'm Rob Reiner, okay? Listen to this. This is, this is so, I've never heard this before, okay? Christians filled with the Spirit are dangerous to hell. When, when a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, hell quivers. Not because of who you are, but who fills you. If you're not dangerous to hell, then you're dangerous to the church. Because you're not filled with the Spirit. Am I the only one who wonders why there's a first, second, and third Baptist church in Marion? Why, why all we hear, well, first of all, we hear all about the, you know, and I'm, boy, trust me, what I'm about to say, I understand. You know, when I hear of a pastor failing morally, my first words are, God, please, don't let me be stupid. But why are there so many pastors who say yes to sex and no to Jesus? Why are there so many church splits? Why is there such division in the church? Why in other churches, and in this church, are there people who would not speak to one another as they pass in the hallway? Why, is it, why are there churches filled with people that think it's all about them and not about Jesus? Because not filled with the Spirit. Not filled with the Spirit. And if you're, not, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're dangerous to hell. But if you're not dangerous to hell, then you're dangerous to the church. And in these days, we need churches filled with Spirit-filled believers. If, again, if we want to see the change in America that we need to see, we have got to be spirit-filled believers. So there you go. If I did my math right, I think that... Well, hang on. Let me just check and make sure. Um, yeah. If I did my math right, that's seven steps. Seven steps that can radically change your life. And I want to say it one more time because it's so practical. Number one, did you take notes today? Did you circle something in your Bible today? Number two, do you have version? Go to more, go to events, and all the quotes and all the scriptures are there. And number three, would you be willing sometime in the future, near future, to go back and listen to this message again and see what God wants to say to your heart and how you can apply it into your life? Would you go ahead and bow your heads, please? Wow, thank you so much for listening so well today. So well today. Now, if you're here today, and we talked about people who have not chosen to believe in God, and, and we would love to talk with you today. Uh, I'll be down front, uh, and I'll be glad to share with you. And, and, or we can make an appointment to come and see me in the office. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm not some super smart dude. Um, but like I, I did share with you today, I look around, and the evidence seems to point to me that there's a creator God. You know, So maybe today's that day you want to make that decision to put your faith and trust in creator God. As a believer, maybe also. You may make a decision to say yes to God and not no. Maybe in 2024, you need to choose to apply these seven things in your life. Apply these seven things and ask God, ask God to make 2024 different than 2023. Hey, ask God how you're going to spend your 1,440 minutes. Hey, God, if you give me all of them today, how do you want me to live them? Hey, remember to be wise enough, okay? to choose how you, how you walk and how you choose your companions. How you walk and how you choose your companions. God, thank you so much for the privilege today of sharing. Father, please help us to hang on to this. Please help us to hang on to it. 
Father, we need the Holy Spirit to help super glue these truths into our lives. Don't let them slip away. I want to especially pray for the students this morning. I can imagine it was hard when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. I can imagine how hard it is now. God bless these young people. May the Holy Spirit fill them and dwell them and hold them strong in these, in these days of sinking and shifting sands. Thank you, Father, for loving us. This time is your time. In Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen.